You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Australia. I'm Mira. I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to an episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'm super excited for today's topic, where we'll be discussing tech diversity and the future of diversity and inclusion in tech. I'm joined by three passionate thought leaders from the software engineering industry to share their experience and insights on such an important topic. So let's meet our panel for today, which I'll get Sherry, you to introduce yourselves first. Hi, Vera. Um, very great to be here. Hi, Jinka and Adamona. Very nice meeting you here. Um, so yeah, my name is Sherry. I'm an engineering manager at Shipit. I've been here for about a year. We're a, a tech company in the logistics space. Our platform uses multi-carrier shipping technology to help merchants optimize their fulfillment process. Um, I started my career here in Australia worked as a full stack and team lead in enterprise and startups and now ship it is like scale up if that is the word mm-hmm. um what else about me i live in a house full of engineers that includes <laughs> that. my yeah, my partner yeah. in crime our two daughters well, they haven't been engineer yet but yeah wow uh, and my parents so um yeah well what i'm quite passionate about is definitely connect people and ideas to to build the things together that customer actually love to to use not just forced to buy um, and definitely enjoy helping not only myself but also people around me to to constantly reflect and grow ourselves so yeah yeah very great to be here I'm very excited oh thanks so much Sherry love that and I guess yeah Jinka if you'd like to go next uh hi everyone um, I'm Jinka uh uh, I've been a delivery manager, working as a delivery manager at uh, AMP right now. Uh, been a techie all through my career. Started as a like as Sherry said, as an Java developer. Been developer for almost a decade before moving into uh, Scrum Master, project management, some sort of managing scope, people, and the cost kind of thing. Uh, again, managing technical project, technology projects all the way. So nothing different. Uh, what I'm passionate about uh, is having, like, I'm very passionate about ha- creating high-performance teams. Like, and I think diversity kind of plays a big role now, where everything, you know, is is proven that how diversity impact the bottom line figures these days. So that's why I'm very interested in the topic. I'm uh, happy to have a next one uh, chatting to Mona and uh, Sherry. Uh, thanks for having me here. Thank you so much. And yeah, Mona, if you would like to go last and introduce yourself. Yeah. Um, hi, everyone. So uh, my name is Mona. I'm currently working as the director of engineering at OFX, which is a fintech company. Um, but prior to this, I came from a consulting world for almost about seven and a half years. And I worked across 14 different companies and 20 different product teams, um, you know, delivering products in different environments and, uh, you know, contexts. And I learned to adapt my own leadership style to kind of fit. So that gave me a lot of, uh, you know, view into how different companies work and how to adapt, I guess, styles to achieve uh, great outcome um, and I guess the, the you know in terms of what I'm passionate about I really want to highlight like two things I think similar to what Jinka said really like building that high performing teams that can deliver quality products which resolves business uh, problems but the second thing is also you know creating an environment where people uh, from different backgrounds thrive and that's where the diversity inclusion is a, is, is, a, is a great topic and that's why I'm here today yeah. 
Thanks, Rona. And yeah, thank you everyone for sharing a little bit about yourselves. I guess to start things off, what I think will be useful is to define actually the difference between diversity and inclusion. I think personally, they kind of get treated as the same thing quite often, although I think they're quite different challenges. So yeah, Sherry, if you would like to kind of share your thoughts firstly, I know you're eager to do so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's such a great timing. I mean, even today, there's a live streaming, uh, like I think it's Slack, uh, Slack Woman Day and they're talking about inclusion and diversity I was like oh <laughs> it's giving us so much material on this and uh, I'm also find myself in a learning journey about the difference and, and what it means it's sort of a topic we never really think about it just go along the trend um, so I definitely googled it <laughs> and the, the google said diversity is about what like the top answer and uh, inclusion is about how and so mm -hmm. I reflect a bit more. We have often I would say, let's have a woman in STEM. Let's have more, um, more, and basically boil down to more engineer, more female engineer in my team. And I'll, I'll definitely quote our our PN, PNC manager Bodine's quote. She said, "Sherry, inclusion first, diversity follows. But we can't have one without another." And after she said that, I thought, oh, "What is?" What is, why is it follow? Um, so we actually did, uh, at Shipit did a diversity, equity and inclusion survey very recently. And I think I can share, sh share some lights in what kind of questions we have. So for diversity, it's a lot about, you know, country, the, the race, the gender, how many female, <laughs> you, you, what is the percentage of your hiring <laughs> pipeline last three months? Like for us, it's great. We, we recently have three female engineering joined, but that's okay. that sort of bracket. But for inclusion, it's really about, can, can we feel authentic ourselves? Can we feel vulnerable? Does someone really understand me? It, it's, my, it's my perspective like really, really in this group? Do, do I have to change myself to fit in? So if you think about all these kind of questions, that actually give me something uh, in there. Yeah. Yeah, Mona, what do you, what do you think? That, no, that's great, Sherry. I think to, to add to that as well is I always feel like diversity and inclusion can be at odds at some time with each other as well. Because if you think about a, a workplace where everyone looks the same, speaks the same, comes from the same background, it's very easy to feel included because you're interested in the same things. You know, you celebrate the same festivals. Like it, it, it's, it's very easy to feel included. But when you have a more diverse uh, workforce, you also have to go that additional level to in, improve inclusion because you have people from all different, you know, uh, ethnicity, background, race, country, cultures, uh, you know, gender, it can be quite different. And, and so it, it, both of them can be at odds with each other. And the more diverse you have to put in that more extra effort to be inclusive as well. Yeah, I think I think I completely agree with both of you. Diverse, I think simply put, diversity is about having different perspectives in the team. It could be, as Mona said, a gender economic background, geographic location, cultural background, whatever it is. But I think inclusion distinctly says that uh, that once you have those perspectives on the team, how are those perspectives heard, valued and respected, and they have been incorporated into the team? I think that's where the inclusion comes in. For me, I think inclusion is diversity as important as it is, but without inclusion, diversity won't work. Like if, if you get diverse perspectives and they're not heard and not valued, then, I mean, you can't, you won't achieve anything. That's where I think diversity and inclusion differs. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. It's a, it's an act. The inclusion is an act. We, yeah. That's a part of the reason why inclusion is so important. Why we even talk about this topic? <laughs> because it, we don't want everyone to think just the same way, right? And um, yeah. yeah. But I think you raised a good point, uh, Sherry, that you had like so many female engineers in your team, right? But how it would be good to know, like, how did you get there? Like, because you've been in MCPIC for so long, right? It's it's very hard because the topic is diversity in tech. I, we know that women in technology are, you know, gender diversity is not that great. Like, it's I don't know what the percentage are, like 20%, I think, or something. Yeah, somewhere so, around 20 yeah, correct. Google says twenty nine percent, but <laughs> correct. But I think, really but, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. But um, thanks to Minkel, she found uh, two two of you who have been at a great position. <laughs> and as you said, uh, yeah, I don't know how she found me, but yes, it was easy, I guess, from the eighty percentage. But how did you guys? Because it's very hard. I mean, I've been in techie for so long, behind as a team lead, delivery manager, everything, always in part of hiring. How did Shipit manage to have so many female engineers? Um, a good use case, I believe. Yeah, there's definitely also luck. I would never say no luck, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. There's some some of the months we just get no and no no female engineer at all, and then we just happen to be quite lucky this period of time as well. And obviously, the company does lots of efforts yeah. to to talk about yeah. how could we be, but them. I think. I think having women leaders at the top makes a huge difference, Absolutely. at least in terms of gender diversity. Forget yeah. about the rest, but gender diversity definitely. I think because there was a big research go on, and then they said like the women in tech is only possible if you have the role models and mentors who are women. They said it like all the girls from the universities are only looking to the women in tech. Uh, like they say 48% of having a lead, woman leader influences the woman to get into tech. So I'm pretty sure having you there would have influenced that having, you know, more and more women, having the woman retention as well. Again, this is just, we're only talking about gender diversity because that's obviously big and controversial topic to talk about. But yeah, we can go into, but I was keen to know, like, how did you, because, I was in a team where having 50% of women in the team make a big difference to the team culture, different perspectives and everything. And yeah, I had a bigger, different problem not having uh, racial diversity, which is a different challenge, but having at least gender diversity did made a big uh, difference. It's a great Mona, question, Shinka, actually. Yeah, I have some, you know, a few things I want to add to that as well, because uh, especially around gender diversity as well. When I joined OFAX, I was kind of blown away by numbers because I've never seen statistics like that, like really, because, you know, 43% of our people are actually female within OFAX, with an entire OFAX. And our global executive team is 50% female. Like our board is 33% female and our senior leadership team is 43% female. So, you know, these are numbers that I got for this year as well. And I was really blown away because I think the thing is also there is there is some there's some uh, idea that, you know, these are too hard to achieve, like it's not possible. Um, I think that the question is more about how to make it possible because it's definitely possible. 
uh, as well. And then there's various things that, you know, the company has done because it's, 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 it's an issue that comes from the top, like, you know, all the way people all the way to a board, to a CEO, you know, a senior leadership is interested in this. So they drive the initiatives like we have mandatory training that we do with which is necessary for diversity and inclusion. We have like hiring where we look at how to increase our pipeline to make it more diverse. You know, we have we make sure when we are interviewing or when we are code reviewing, it's actually diverse set of people who do that. So at each levels mm. in the process, we have things to make it make it, uh, you know, possible. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's good to know. But. But I don't think, like, there was another figure, as you rightly said, 40% and all. Like, between 2008 and 2018, 10 years, uh, out of, you know, hundreds of companies, what they have researched, there is only 20% of change in diversity. There's hardly any change. We didn't even move a little bit. Like, across all diversities, I'm not just talking about gender diversity. But mm-hmm. it's good to know that OFX and, uh, you know, SHIPIT are actually leading the path, in, at least in terms of gender diversity. But for me, if, if we just segue into the rest of the diversities, we are fortunate to live in a country where diversity, racial diversity is at least given. Like it's yeah. there, different ethnic backgrounds and everything. And Australia being a migrant community, it's great. Everybody is welcomed, valued and everything. But to point out the fact, AMP, for example, my AMP company, which we're working on, in the last uh, uh, few years, five years, I think, the ethnic diversity has changed, like Anglo-Sex having 75% to 65%, but the 10% is taken by purely Asian or uh, Asian men mostly, and then women a little bit. So it's not like we are making huge yards, at least in tech, in uh, in Australia itself, even though we are fortunate to have such a racial diversity um, you know, uh, community. I actually but heard a news. Um, I, I don't know if it just popped up to me, maybe because <laughs> of this topic. It was talking about Australian this year for the very first time. Uh, we have fifty-five percent of the book review are written by women. That's for the first time okay. in the entire yeah. history. Uh, it's not tech, right? But so it's book review, but still for the first time. And I think that consistent efforts definitely pay off a bit. It's it's never going to be. Let's review thirty years ago. In, in in different countries in, yeah. in, in Australia as well. Um, it's definitely, we, we changed a lot. It's yeah. probably within two or three years, we can't see that big effort, but as long as we keep consistency, we, uh, definitely will be changed. Yeah. For sure. And I think that sort of will lead us kind of, it would be great now to get kind of your ideas and what you've witnessed and experienced, um, I guess, unconsciously or consciously, what bias have you witnessed or experienced either in the context of diversity or inclusion? If, yeah, Mona, if you wanted to start on your experience, not just, I guess, within gender, but just overall within diversity and inclusion. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think I would say, you know, I feel like I've experienced maybe more of that unconscious bias um, as well. And it can, you know, uh, even even, for example, if you're in a meeting room and I think I'm probably going back just to the gender as well is sort of, you know, coming back to like sort of saying, hey, guys, that is that that is a default, uh, you know, addressing that we do. Uh, and and then even I think language shapes how we think and how we act as well. So that, that's, and that's a simple change to make. So, you know, there's lots yeah. of like gender neutral words to say, hey, folks, hello, everyone. And uh, like there's a lot of things that we can change. So I think there's this unconscious bias that that happens because I think the main thing is when we the way we behave and when we, when we act a certain way, we have to always keep in mind who we are unseeing. 
mm. as well. Um, so I think it's it's more of those this the sort of unconscious bias that I think people have not even probably thought about it. It's like oh, just a normal thing to say, hey guys, that's a simple thing. You yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I have I have definitely something to. Uh, I think it's not even just we think about others. Sometimes it's we even unconsciously doing something, you know, to you know fit in. Like uh, Jinka, for example, I I know your name's um, uh, Nagaraj, right? How why did you change the name from Nagaraj to to Jinka? Is that because uh, other people couldn't pronounce it? <laughs> so great point. To... Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you write, both of you brought up great points. One is I have changed. Like I've used to write emails. Hi, guys. Can we do this kind of thing? But I changed it to hi, all, hi, everyone, like consciously, right? It's all we are culprit in, in a way. Like we coming from different backgrounds here, all four of us, have our own unconscious bias. And we are doing that. And as you said, Nagraj, for example, right? Initially, everybody used to call me Raj. But there is oh, Raj in every team. <laughs> They're not equal. Is, <laughs> like, especially in IT, in tech companies, it doesn't matter. Not in the company. In every team, there is Raj. So I was like, okay, fine. I should change the name to Jinka at least. Because my friends used to call me Jinka anyway from college. So that was easy. But it's right. Like, as Mona said, simple things. How do you want to call yourself? Like, especially in Australia, there's every meeting we go, there is some person saying, oh, how do I pronounce your name? Put your pronunciation as an audio clip somewhere. Everybody knows. Put the pronouns everywhere in the office and LinkedIn, everywhere. These are the simple things. But as you read, good point. One conscious bias I realized is when I was a team lead, I was hiring people, right? I don't have gender bias or any other bias. But after a certain time, after three or four hires, I realized I'm just hiring people of the same age. Like there was, there was unconsciously, I'm hiring people of the same age. Like everybody is around that age who are compatible, who are going through the same thing in life. And so that means you're not hiring the different perspective. In fact, it, it, I realized then it's, that's as rightly said, we are culprit of it, even though we are having from different perspectives, different background. So we need to consciously untrain our brain or train our brain mm. from, you know, when are we doing it? I think there was some uh, good piece where they said, whenever you, catch yourself you need to train your brain like for example if somebody's you know gender biased to i mean they don't want to hire a woman then have look at all the women leaders read about them then the brain itself consciously train your brain to say that to remove that unconscious bias that that's one but there is bias everywhere i think uh, like for example tech people like like there was some research going on if your name, if people can't pronounce your name, as you rightly said, you won't be, it's very less percentage of you being in executive leadership team. Oh, yeah. There was that, like just because of your name, just because of your name. And yeah. like, for, for example, in America, everyone talks about, you know, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, but there is so many other communities, right? We are fortunate we are talking about every other community, but it's not just one community, right? Whereas here also the same thing. There is bias everywhere. The biggest bias I could find is pregnant woman. Aww. Pregnant woman. Everybody <laughs> says, yeah. they say, the, the statistics say, after a woman gets pregnant, 24% leave the technology jobs. And 22% become entrepreneurs in the technology jobs. Kudos to them. 
but there is another 22% who just leave the job. So you were like getting once, so that means 65% of chance the woman is not coming back to your company after becoming pregnant. That's the bias which we need to you know, take it away. So there is, there is so much research going on and like how to return to the program. That's where I say with the gender diversity, it's very important to have role models in, this, in, in at least from women to say, have this thing. Like, for example, in your companies, you have women. Like, have them, have, give them avenues to talk about how important it is to have women in technology. Because sure. I don't know, I have. I would be interested to see how the universities are doing these days. How many women are actually, how many girls are taking up the technology job, knowing we are not doing that great in uh, not great. Yeah, Jinka, I think you you mentioned some really interesting, you know, points there, especially around like, you know, maternity leaves and sort of pregnancies mm -hmm. as well. I think one thing I definitely wanted to share, which, you know, OFX does really well is it, actually we have mandated training for every uh, manager, people manager around how to manage when, when one of their uh, reports yeah. actually go on maternity leave. There's a you know strict process on right from the beginning when someone announces that to, you know, managing through the nine months or before they go on leave, how do, how, what happens after they go on leave, what happens when when they come back so the whole process actually it's actually trained like we get training and how to manage this um and and also the the other thing is also there's a mentorship program which means that anyone who's going on leave obviously uh get someone assigned as their mentor who is who, who has gone through a similar process and returned to work so they can help them navigate any of the things that comes along the way so i guess awesome. you know Statistics speaks for themselves for sure. There's a lot of things that needs to happen, but I feel like, you know, workplaces are putting these efforts to go that extra mile um, to work on some of these things. And, and it's, it's really helped. Like I, in my, in my, in my time, in you know, OFAX in the last year, I've had two people, yeah, go on, actually more than that, two, four people go on maternity and paternity leave. And I follow that process and kind of see how it works, you know, um, and for even, even simple things like asking them, how many times do, would you like to touch base when you're on leave? I will leave it to you to come to me as well and, and things like that and it's, it's really helped to get the training yes, yes great yes, i completely Absolutely. agree having the training is one thing but yeah getting it across the board because uh, you're right companies are actually now because they realize that it's not just a hr thing anymore it's there is actually a you know thesis saying there is a bottom line figure is actually impacted based on the diversity and inclusion yeah. i think sure. they're doing it but yeah, it's still disappointing for me that it hasn't moved. But because someone was saying, uh, I was reading something else, was saying that why don't you treat diversity and inclusion as a any business problem you do? Like any business problem you want to do to improve your profits, you pick up the business problem, you go around, evaluate it, put metrics around it, how much we want to improve, what we want to do, how much money we want to spend on it. Or like, why don't you care? tackle diversity and inclusion in the same way. Put That's metrics sure. around it, how much we are there, where we want to get to. I think AMP has a new CEO. She wants to do 40-40-20 in terms of diversity, 40% men, 40% women, and 20% of us, which is great. But which is great. Putting the metrics out there is really good. But if you see any diverse statements, go to Google and do statement. Everybody says, we want to do this. By when? What yeah, I'm, I'm pretty year. sure the, the OFX be able to execute all those ideas because they did collect the data. They did treat that as a, as a proper problem. It's, um, I can share one more thing. When I first, last year, when I first joined Shipit, 
we were uh, we were we hired at Shepherd hired people who knowing that they already pregnant already in the six months or something and hire them. And at that time, I was I have to confess I was really naive. So, from small startup, you know, it's like, is this for real? Like, you know, after hire her for two weeks, she's gonna go on to maternity leave. And then later on, as I go through the process, I found that's not the only case. We have executive level pregnant and coming back. We have like head of those, those senior management level hire when they are pregnant, which I think is something it's amazing that just removed that yeah, fear, is, you know. There's no. I think you're very no lucky. Yes, yeah, so lucky to be in a company where the diversity is, you know, valued and uh, you know, nurtured. Because, I mean, obviously yeah. that's why you chose you for sure. Because... Jinka, do you do you mean you are all lucky? <laughs> I am. I am. I am not lucky. I don't think so. Because oh. I, no, no, no. I, it's, we... uh, it's okay. No, no. I'm just jo uh, jo you're joking. I understand. But I was like, as, when you said, "Oh, there was a training," I was like. Why didn't he, uh, this training ever in the industry? I've been there for like however long. Like, but yeah, I haven't seen trainings. That means the trainings are there on the HR page, but they're not prevalent. We're not making sure everybody does that. Like, there is so many ways you could do it. But yeah, there is always an inclusion and diversity training on as part of onboarding, as part of everything. But you have to make it part of your everyday thing in every meeting. And how, as Mona initially said. The language, how you say, it, like when you're doing your performance evaluation, when you're talking to your uh, peers, and how, what's the language you use, using, and you know, consciously removing that bias and doing that will definitely help. No, I'm not going to have a question. Like, what's your ideas on hiring uh, diverse background? Like, not just gender diversity. I think I don't know why we are stuck on that, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a classic act. I, I don't know whether that sounds like 101 classical or, or not, but things like make sure you include women or different, you know, different gender diversity in the interview itself. When we do blog, don't just blog the 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 guys in the tech blog. When you uh, when you go attend the meetup, when you actually uh, set up the booth, when you meet the people, make sure we include more people. Just the great great women will know great women. <laughs> it's as simple <laughs> as that, you know. We can attract this, we can find, we can find that. So it is important we, yeah, definitely, that's a classic, classic one. I'll make sure oh, we're involved in the hiring that, process. Yeah. yeah, Mona, sorry. No, I was just going to say, that's a, that's a great point, Sherry, as well. Like, to you know, what you're talking about is also in, in the pipeline. Like, how do we broaden the pipeline as well? Like, you know, uh, get people from all different backgrounds, age, you know, cultures, gender, all of that. How do we broaden the pipeline? And and, and also think about, like, you know, uh, in every hiring process, you know, it all, it, it's very good to evaluate before we, you, we make the hire to say, was that pipeline healthy? Or were we just getting applications from one, uh, you know, uh, once one, one segment, uh, and to think and evaluate how do we broaden that? I think that's very important. Um, mm -hmm. And along the pipeline, we can, you know, introduce people as, as a, a, you know, from different backgrounds to be able to make sure that the the process is as diverse as it can be. Like as I said, from different backgrounds, age, gender, all of that as well. But the pipeline is, needs to be very healthy. Uh, you know, I've heard some people talk about as well is that if they feel like there's only one segment applying, they actually go back to the drawing board before they make the hire and say, how do we improve that? Yeah. I think 
Yeah. I think you all have started to sort of answer my, my next question, which is how, how do we contribute we do. to diversity inclusion in the workplace yeah. and sort of yeah. what you've seen work and not work perhaps? No, my idea was there was a, like, I again read something, but my idea was, to, I was actually about to ask the agency who's going to come up with the people, like, just remove the, the whole uh, name, the whole, you know, anything that identifies the person like when you're going through the cvs you have this unconscious bias going on you just go through you just go through, oh, no 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 which is what i did with the age thing but yes so we just remove the cvs we just only select the ones which we relate to or which you think it's going to be applicable for the and by removing that unconscious bias by removing anything that identifies from the cv was great i mean somebody was saying blind hiring that might be very hard for tech thing but if you can, amazing, right? If you can do, like, there are all these exams in technology which you can, like, test, you can put to select a person. Why don't we take the CV without identifying the person, send the test, and if the test is good and the CV is good, then call the person and see if you still apply the bias. Like, at least you need to reduce as much as you can. Like, you would be surprised how many people will come with, like different age, different ethnicity, disabled people, autism, doesn't matter whoever it is, if you provide that opportunity, and especially with the remote work, there is no reason for anybody to stay in the metropolitan cities to work for you, right? They can come from anywhere. So that's, I think I'm going to ask the agency, which I'm going to implement soon. But yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I um. I think that it definitely you talk a lot about the in the pipe, remove the unconscious bias. There's also things like as an interviewer, um, what do we actually measure people? So this is a little bit bigger than just, you know, women, women engineers, a bit more inclusive. Um, it, we, how many times we in the retro session after hiring, we say, oh, does this person feel, what is, a, what is your gut feeling? Does the person actually fit? How, how do you feel about it? And then that, that's all, it's all a little bit of emotion, a little bit of uh, things. I think one recommendation I would do is definitely set up that framework of what are the dimensions we, we're trying to, what exactly do you want? Is it a softer skill? Is it hard skill? Uh, what are the impact? What are the years of experience? Learning speed. So be able to, as a leader in the hiring, people in really decision-making layer in the hiring, we really should spend our time on that layer and keep virtual yeah. to learn that lesson. Also Correct. a bit of data-driven decision, right? who are the people we didn't end up hiring? Who are the people we end up hiring? And what are the metrics that works? That's much better oh, yeah, than speaking or not. It, it will help. Great point. Great point. I think if you, if you just start collecting who we didn't end up hiring, I mean, that will show you the trend as a company where, like, where are we, you know, losing the momentum. And as Mona said earlier, I was, that was a good point as well. Like, to, once you hire... Let's it reviewed by the D&I team or if you have anybody as a leadership to see, what do you think of the hat from the diversity and inclusion perspective? I mean, that, that would, because they would be going through it every day and having the numbers and, you know, trying all these workshops and everything. But having them included would, I mean, they would be very passionate to be included in the hiring process for sure, I think. Which Definitely. Which don't usually do, yeah. What have you seen sort of work or perhaps not work, Mona, in, I guess, your current workplace or even in previous workplaces? 
Um, yeah, I think, I mean, hiring is definitely uh, one element to it. I guess in different organizations as well, I think one thing we definitely need to think about is what phase is the organization in, in terms of mm. diversity and inclusion? Um, because, you know, some organizations are already doing great, like they're further down the the the, uh, the roadmap, I guess, say. But some of the organizations are still thinking about the value in this. Like, what is the benefit of that uh, to be able to go along that direction? So what works and doesn't work depends heavily on where the organization is um you know and and if they decide to obviously go down that path which i, I think they, if everyone should um you know they, then they, then i think they, there's different things that that can work and that doesn't because i guess going go, going to organization that is just starting out and saying you know you need to have a broad pipeline before you hire someone is not realistic i think there's different things that work in that organization um, so I, I would definitely say, you know, everyone who's starting on this journey to do that review, to do to set up that baseline. Where are we at? What is our goal? Um, you know, what, what is going to help us um, along the way? And multiple ways, you know, like hiring is one. How we act on a day to day basis is one. Training right. and learning and development, because we always have to mind the knowledge gap when we're mm. going down this path. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to know. Uh, and everyone has con unconscious bias some way yeah. or the other. Um, so it really depends. Yeah. Yeah, and I, to add to that, I think hiring is one thing, definitely part of it. But as Mona clearly mentioned, once you hire, how are you valuing them? As initially was saying, are you respecting their views and how do you make sure and performance evaluations? Are you providing them opportunities later on in the company for them to grow or you're just hiring it for diversity sake and then the rest of the teams are not up to it, then it's a hard thing. Like for example, in, in, in even for in a meeting, there are people who doesn't talk, like even they're there and everything. So how your team culture is in such a way that everybody is, is happy to share their opinion, you should provide them avenues, venues to open and openly share their ideas. I think that culture is a bigger topic, I think, which is hard to get to cultural transformation as Ona seems to be very good at, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a hard thing. She would watch for it, but it's very hard. It's not a one day thing. Like diversity and inclusion, we're talking about, I don't know, since a couple of decades and we're still talking about it. It tells us that how hard it is. Yeah, and endless yeah. points to raise. And Sherry, I'd love to hear your kind of thoughts as well on previous experiences that you've seen. Yeah, yeah, there's one, um, we talk a lot about the pipeline, there's, there's about the offer, there's about the, the actual uh, compensation as well. One moment um, I remember from my previous work is uh, at ALO, it's a, it's a very cool startup. Um, the executive came, called me into a room and then he said, Sherry, I'm going to put you, this is not any review cycle. He said, I'm going to put you up to blah, this, it was like 10% or 20% pay rise. And, and I really value the diversity. This is this way, what, what, what you're going to have. You will be the second highest paid in engineer. And at that time, I felt like, what have I done to deserve this? And, and then he just really looked into my eyes and said, I really value your work. That is, you did great work. I don't want this, um, you know, gender gap or gender pay gap. Um, and then same as at Shipid, um, our CPTO um, at that time last year, he went to me directly and saying, I don't, I don't like it. The, the rest, we, we really shouldn't underpay female engineers. And um, when, we, when we hire, just offer them the best package we could afford, we think is reasonable. Don't, don't think about low pay. Don't think about mm. any yeah. of this. Oh, what, if, um, what, if she doesn't, what if she doesn't learn like this? What if she couldn't catch it? It's the same as any gender. 
um, just make the best offer we could uh, and support yeah, them true. through maternity leave and, and everything. Yeah, support them through that growth journey. That's true. Women usually undervalue themselves a lot. You know, there's a funny where they say, if you have a uh, you know job description, women make sure that Oh, I have that. Everything is ticked before applying, whereas men say, a couple of them, yeah, sure, fine, I'll wing it. <laughs> so that's a major, like, yeah. switch, right? That's like, true. where you, you have to put yourself out there. I think it's it's great that you've been valued where you are, but you, you're right. Like, the one, um, the Harvard research says, research says that you give the money, as you rightly said, which is right for that role, the best you can, and put it out there on the table, and there is no reason for the person to leave the company. The retention rate is high when you're offering them what they want. Yeah. The, the lesson I learned is definitely that the leader are leaded um, by example. They are the ones that are stepping to me rather than they wait for me to ask for a pay rise or ask for something. That's the key lesson I, I think all leaders can learn, that you will reach out to people instead of passively waiting for something to happen. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think I think inclusive leadership is another good topic to talk about because inclusion <laughs> always they say that it comes from top down. I mean, diversity and inclusion usually comes from top down. Bottom up is very hard in that perspective. But yeah, inclusive leadership is another one. You're right. should be there. It, it should. The trainings as Mona said, should be rightly happening at OFX with the leaders like you, but yeah, it, it should be pre prevalent in the rest of the industries, which I haven't seen much. Have you got something to add there, Mona, before we head on to our last question? I think this topic could definitely, we could have a part two. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's great with even these conversations. So, yeah, uh, you know, so, so, and nurturing as well, right? This is great. I, I think I wanted to share one story to Sherry's point as well. Uh, like, I remember um, a long time ago, I was, you know, interviewing and I was applying for a place and the recruiter asked me, um, so, you know, what is my salary expectations? And I said, and I specified X number and that's the salary expectation. And she came back to me and, and her reply was, oh, okay, that's good. But this sal this job pays higher. And she told me what the, actually the, 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 the pay was. And she said, it doesn't matter what you're asking for. It's a job that we are paying for, you know, uh, yeah. as well. And I really appreciated that. That yeah, someone kind of came back and corrected me uh, quite early in my career uh, around what, what was the pay for that specific role, yeah. uh, even if I under asked for it. Yeah, I think that's a great point both of you bring, like which I've seen uh, in applying jobs, right? Everyone asks you, ask you for the number. You decide what you're worth. If you say high, we will say that the role doesn't pay. If you say low, awesome, get on board. I'll pay what you want. I won't, nobody will tell you like, no, as you had uh, such an experience, the great experience, but it's a, such a hard question. Everyone, if you apply, they'll ask like, how much are your expectations? But yeah, that's another thing. They should remove that. I mean, you know how much you're going to pay for that role. Yeah, pay. there's a budget. <laughs> <laughs> there's a budget for it. Yes, pay for it. And yes, it's it's your uh, obligation to make sure the person knows what you're paying, so that if they are interested or not. But not the other way around. That that's that that's something has to change. Yes. And while while we're talking about gender, there was a big discussion on uh, in AMP on the bank forms like mortgage forms, any form you go, there is gender, right? Male, female. And there was a huge discussion, like everybody, the team were passionate about, you should change that. Where are we? We are in 21st century. Why male and female? Why do I have to choose? There should be another category. 
And it's funny to think that uh, it's so much to change, uh, so many systems across the board, <laughs> the validation. We actually, I'm actually putting a validation now to say, if you choose the title Mr., the gender should be male. If you choose Mrs., the gender should be female. Like, I'm like, where are we? Like, I mean, even the companies have to put, like, not talk the talk, walk the walk. Like, you change your form first. Then talk about diversity and inclusion. Like, you show it out there. Like, if you do this, then the employees will feel, where is it? Where are we going? Like, if, the, if you're not putting that effort in, then um, it's very hard. Mm. Sorry, I have a very different experience from you. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should you should join this more often. Where we yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mira has chosen the right person because you both have positive experiences to share. Whereas I am like, no, forget it. Got to got to balance it out, of course. But I think just conscious of time will lead on to our last question of the day. Um, which is what do you think the future of diversity looks like? So I think, yeah, we're starting to ease into that question anyway. So be, yeah, keen to hear your thoughts, Sherry. Yes, yes. Um, I think I'm going to try to copy that voice as well. The future is going to be very clear. That, that is the future. So there, there's a great podcast called After Hour. It used to be hosted by HBS, um, HBR, and now it's Apple Podcast one of the episodes they're talking about the future and I had exactly that same thinking because I got um, I got daughter, I got two daughters and the, the older daughters now just turned to 10 year old. We have colleague, um, several colleagues who have the pronouns they, them. And uh, when I got home, you know, I talk about that and I, my, my daughter would be the one teach me, oh mom, um, that is just a pronoun. You said it wrong. And she, she will educate me. And she is something so fluid for her. It's absolutely not a topic, something different to, to, to her is the same. And also when I watch her, the games, you know, Minecraft, Roblox, Creatures of Scenario, all of this, um, all of these things on the internet for, the, for that generation is gender fluid. If you look at the creatures, they do have male, female, something like that. But when I actually look at those creatures in the game, they all sort of look, um, they, all have, they all look really queer. <laughs> and she would draw and design those creatures like that as well. And then she would feel everything is a norm. For her generation, this is a norm. Um, so yeah, definitely, I think that for, for me is a big learning. I must keep myself open-minded. I must keep myself, keep learning and keep up with that thinking. I, I never want to be the dino, like, <laughs> yeah yeah very cool i love it <laughs> uh, i mean i can, I can, I can go yeah yeah go ahead i don't have much to say but i can uh, because i it seems like i have very negative mindset on this but future <laughs> for me future of diversity for me is we don't talk about it as sherry rightly said it should happen fluidly in the next generation or even our generation, it should happen fluidly. We shouldn't talk about it. It should be part of it. It should naturally happen. And it's already there. Diversity leads to the bottom line figure. So it's, it's, it's not something which uh, it's novel, novelty anymore. We should do it. Uh, yeah, future for me is let's not have this podcast. We don't need a necessity to talk about diversity and inclusion in a podcast. That's where I think we have reached otherwise Till then, I'm, I'm happy to be part of this amazing conversation. And we have 
Thank that's you. that's beautifully said, Jinka. I like to be part of that world as well, where it's not a conversation anymore. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, um, but but yeah, I, I think that I think the you know future of diversity. I, I think I think it's 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 bright. We're going in. The, we're heading in the right direction. Uh, you know, while while there's a lot of things to improve, I think it's as I said, it's it's important to see where we're heading. We're not going backwards. Like we are heading in the right direction. I feel like you know people are standing up and asking for what they deserve. Like they're not accepting any anything less, which is great. There's conversations around this. There's transparency around this, and companies are putting in that extra effort to. Uh, you know, attract the right talent and and get a great set of people uh, with different backgrounds, and they understand the value in it as well. Um, so I think it's you know it's it's growing great. And for anyone who's still thinking about if they should do it or if or, or feel like it's not possible, I think the question is a lot of people have already done it. And the thing is, it's not about you know if it's possible or not. It's just about understanding what needs to happen to to get there, really. Yeah, yeah. It's well said, well said, Mona. Um, and I think it's. You're definitely touching this area. It, it's like we should work on the universal theme, right? That kindness, that accept accept everyone's different with a good intention, good wills. We, we, it's those themes. It's, after all, it's all about being good human. And yeah, it's not just about diversity, just about a couple of numbers. It's, if we do being, that right, being, everything follows. Yeah. Correct. Being diverse is being human. It's basic thing. <laughs> well, well put, everyone. <laughs> and yeah, thank, thank you, everyone. Um, has anyone got any last little bits that they'd like to add on diversity and inclusion before we wrap things up for today? I think I might just say that, you know, if anyone is kind of going through this journey, individual or sort of companies as well, like, you know, definitely happy to chat. Please reach out on LinkedIn or any other medium, you know, and, and we have done some things that has worked and something that's not worked. Happy to share that. And so everyone doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. That's awesome. Thanks, Rona. <laughs> I'll definitely reach out. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you've got what you've got one. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And yeah, thanks everyone so much for the discussion today. I hope everyone enjoyed listening and a big thanks again to Sherry, Jinka and Mona for sharing your thoughts and experiences and possibly will be another round two of this because <laughs> I think there's yeah. just so much to cover. Um, but yeah, it's great that we got to kind of discuss some of the issues and different things that are happening within the tech space and diversity and inclusion so thanks again and we'll see everyone next time on the installment of the evolution exchange thank you